So today is uh, today is Ask Me Anything AMA uh, Q and A. Uh, anything that you'd like to ask, uh, we may. I mean, within reason, of course. But any, <laughs> I was thinking about that before we came on today. I'm like, eh, some people may be a little crazy. And uh, so, anyway, anything that you'd like to ask about the Word, about the Bible, uh, that's what we felt led to do today. And and I like this because it's kind of a laid back day, kind of a family day, and it's good to have that. Uh, I was actually looking forward to it a lot. I know when I put it online, you were like, yay. Mm-hmm. And uh, But if you have anything love to hear, I think we already had a question come in. Yeah. Uh, go uh, ahead. Uh, Hannah asked a question. She said, are we called to be in covenant, uh, in covenant together with everyone at the church we are planted in? Oh, that's good. Um, that's a great question. Yes and no. It depends on how you're looking at that. Um, you're in covenant. Think about this. If you're in covenant with the Lord, then you're in covenant with his family. Yeah. Right? Uh, And you should be, and you should see that. We don't just burn bridges. I think the biggest thing that is in our society today concerning a lack of revelation of covenant is we've been so quick to burn bridges. We've been so fast. God is a covenant God And what that means is that when God makes a decision and he enters into a fellowship with somebody, to him, it's forever. That's who he is. That's how he thinks. He's a forever covenant God, and we need to to think like that. We need to think like that much more than we do. Um, That is something that definitely, the thinking of covenant was definitely lost in our Western society as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying it's completely gone, but God is a covenant God. If you're yeah. going to understand God, you must understand covenant. And that means you're going to enter into covenant with the Lord, and you're going to enter into covenant with other people too. Uh, the second person that you should enter into covenant with is your spouse. Uh, if you're entering into a marriage, you should be in a covenant. Whereas we really have this thought process in America, that it's a kind of keep the receipt mentality is what I'll say, where it's like, you know, this might not be a good decision, but I'm going to keep the receipt. And we do that with so many things. Mm -hmm. And we've got to stop doing that. That's not how God uh, acts. God makes good decisions. You know, I'll watch many times as, for example, I'll watch ministries many times, many times, go in and they'll make a decision, then they'll go a few months, they'll change their mind again, and you'll see people change the same thing three or four times in a year. I'm like, what are you doing? You're confusing the people, you're running them down. Make a good decision, hear from God. And most time that comes from making logical decisions based out of the logic of the flesh and not the, the wisdom of God in that way. And so and once we understand that covenant, we start to understand that we're supposed to be operating in that towards one another, yeah. right? Uh, you know, if you love one another, doesn't he command us to love one another? And how does God show love to us, right? How does he show love to us? He shows love to us by being in covenant with us. So if we're going to love one another, we should be in covenant with one another, bearing the burdens of one another, which means if you mess up, and it costs me, I don't just throw you away because yeah. you cost me something, right? Um, that's not what covenant does. Now, 
No, I said yes and no because on the flip side of that, somebody who's manipulative could try to use that and be like, I'm going to run you into the ground and you need to go with me. Like yeah. I'm, I'm running straight to hell yeah. and you need to go with me and then would put you under condemnation because you're not in covenant. The Lord is not into enabling sin and enabling those pieces. Love doesn't follow sin, right? Love will forgive sin. Love will cover sin, you know, not just expose it to everybody and go tell everybody, but love doesn't follow sin. Put that in the comments. Love doesn't follow sin. Yeah. And when we un understand that balance there, uh, it's really beautiful, but I'll be honest, I, it's very rare that I've seen uh, people actually operate in that. And that's something the Lord showed me. When I started digging into the love of God, one of the major pieces that came out of that was the understanding revelation of covenant. And instantly, instantly, I realized, man, we need more of this in America. And as we've established covenant as part of the culture here at Boomerang, uh, we've actually seen many, uh, many things turn and hearts be changed and people grow and be planted together yeah. and not just kindly, kindly uh, kind of up and down, up and down, up and down. You know, they weren't always back and forth. Uh, we're meant to grow together in that way and be in covenant with one another. Yeah. That's a great question. So I don't know that I've ever had that question like that, but it's a really good question. Remember, he says this, bear the burdens of one another. And that means you don't run when there's a burden. Yeah. Think about that. In your relationships and your friendships, you don't run just because there's a burden. You don't run from that. You help bear that burden. Sometimes bearing the burden means the person's messing up, but you still sit there with them. Right? And it doesn't mean I'll follow you into sin or follow you into a mess up, but I am there for you, and I help you come out of it. If you're, if you're messing up and you're not doing it on purpose, then that's the person you stay beside, right? If they're messing up and they want to do it and they know they're doing wrong, that's the person that the Bible says you separate from, right? Uh, because they're, they're not lost, they're rebellious, right? And uh, we, you know, again, we go after the lost sheep. The lost sheep wants to go home. They want to be fixed. And that's some of the sins that we're seeing so open and public today is you're not seeing people that are, that are lost. You're seeing people that are openly rebellious with their sin, and that's the danger of it. That's not a person that's putting to death the deeds yeah. of the flesh. That's somebody who's saying, I'm doing this, and I want to do it, and I don't want to know if it's wrong, right? That's not the person that you follow. That's not the person that you bear the burden of that person. You love on them, but love doesn't mean that you follow that sin. So that's, uh, that's what I would say is the balance of that. Hannah did also add to that question, if they are, if we are in covenant with them, are their debts our debts? Good question. <laughs> that's, um, that depends on how the Lord writes that in your heart. Uh, ultimately, when you're in covenant, you're seen as one, mm -hmm. right? You're seen as one. And now there is something you know, where you see the Lord saying, if man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. So the Lord's not wanting to take somebody who's not actively growing and being responsible with his things. And um, I was looking at the wrong camera. 
Um, he's not willing to take somebody who's actively irresponsible with the things and constantly feeding that person. You're not helping that person. You're enabling that person. Think prodigal son. Prodigal son didn't need another meal. He needed to wake up. Yeah. And every meal that he was given kept him from the alarm clock in the spirit and waking up and realizing, mm-hmm. I need to go back home. And so that that's not the area. But there are, there are things where we can say, okay, we're in covenant together. And this is where it goes into the leading of the Lord. Because the Lord knows, think about this. Uh, you see Cain and Abel. You see Cain and Abel. They both bring an offering. Basically, they're both in church. They're both in church, right? But one of them, their heart was right, and one of them wasn't, mm-hmm. right? So in that moment where their heart was, where Cain's heart was not right, God's not blessing that, okay? So just because somebody's in church all the time doesn't mean that, that he's requiring that you bless them all the time. So no, it's not 100% that their debt is your debt. But if God tells you to do that, then yes, you should. If he's leading you to do that, then you should see it that way. And we've done that. We've done that as a church. We've done that uh, individually as well, uh, where we were actually <coughs> believing for something. God blessed us. We had the finances to get it. And then we found out somebody had an opportunity and we gave that to them. So we saw their need as our need because they're the body of Christ. Yep. But that was led by the Lord. And that's why, remember he says this, and in the New Testament, he's going to write that law on your heart. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, even if I give all my possessions to the poor or I give my body to be burned. In other words, I have another way of saying my body to be burned is I burn myself out or I give everything I have, right? Yeah. If I'm giving everything I have but have not love, it profits me nothing. Yeah. In other words, just because somebody has a need doesn't mean that I'm giving every, 100% of the time. He's very clear about that. Some people take one verse and they just say, that's it, you got to always give to the poor. And that's not true. He just said in that verse, you don't always give all your possessions to the poor. You've got to have love. And he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So a part of love and walking in the blessing and walking in covenant is being led by the Lord in those moments. And so just because they have a debt doesn't mean that you're supposed to take up that debt uh, in that way. Uh, It's one of those things where you are, matter of fact, uh, in, in Proverbs, it tells you, don't just sign for somebody else because then you put your life in their hands. And so if by figurative language and thought, you see their debt as your debt, you're actually allowing your life to be run by people that might not, they might be in the Lord, they might be in the church, but they might not have the priorities of God in their heart. They might not be being led by love. So it's not an absolute in that way, but if the Lord tells you to, then that's a different, that's a different topic. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Good question. That's a that's a that's not a question that I think everybody's just going to know right off, or or an answer that everybody's just going to know. That's a really good question. So, do we have any more? Yep. Uh, also, had another question uh, Hannah, on the full same of topic. Question. Yeah, great job, Hannah. She said, "Are we still in covenant with someone who has left the church that they are called to be planted in?" Read that one more time. Are we still in covenant with someone 
who has left a church that they were called to be planted in? Um, we, yes and no, yes and no. There's what you have in that instance is you have somebody that has left when they were supposed to be there. They've left that covenant. Now, if they if they come back, like then you are to love them like they never went away in that way. If they repent of that, come back, then yes. But are you in covenant to the degree where you're supposed to give everything to that person? No. Um, should you have a covenant heart and covenant eyes? Yes. For example, I've had multiple people over the years that were absolutely called to boomerang who didn't do well, uh, didn't listen, messed up, left the church, whatever, whatever reason it is, and I'll see them and I'll love them and I'll pray for them and I'll and and that covenant heart to mm-hmm. love them, but not necessarily chase down yep. their mistake and like you know and basically you'll see that God doesn't do that. You know what God's in covenant with us, but. Will he chase you down and, and like try to convince you to come back? He'll let you go because what do you need? You need humility to actually return properly, right? You need that humility to return properly. His words of instruction so. on that come before the decision. Yes. Like he cautions, yeah. he warns, yeah. he gives all that stuff Correct. before that decision is made. Yeah. So it's not that he's just leaving that person no, out no. to dry. He always gives what the person needs ahead of time. I've, I've never seen a situation where God didn't provide the answer before they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I've always I've seen it so many times now. I mean, hundreds of times. And so, if somebody gets to the place where they start moving off, they have ignored the Lord in other areas. I, I cannot think of one example throughout all the years of ministry where I've not seen that. Matter of fact, I've watched people make a mistake like one week. And if you go back that Sunday before mm-hmm. was a message that that gave them the answer that they need, and they did, they didn't hear it. They thought it was for somebody else, or that that series right before that month before. It's all given them the instruction mm-hmm. that they need, and so that person is deciding to not pay attention to uh, the Lord and run uh, after their flesh, and they yeah. may be calling it the Lord. That's one of the biggest mistakes I see in the church all the time is. People think that it's God when it's not, Yeah. right? And that's where uh, they think so many times, this is the Lord, but it's not the Lord. And they need, to, they need to figure that out. And basically that comes to humbling ourselves. You know, put this in the comments. Humility is the key to avoiding deception. Yeah. Humility is the key to avoiding deception. And we've got to see that and understand that. That means I humble myself to God and his ways, and his ways is the church and the elders and wise counsel. Uh, we've got to humble ourselves in that way. Uh, your pastors and your leaders should not be telling you what to do on a regular basis. They will tell the things of God and they'll tell responsibilities, stuff like that. But answering questions for you, what's God's leading for me on this? They shouldn't be necessarily telling you that uh, unless you're brand new and you're really hungry for those things and you're learning uh, but what they should be doing is teaching you what's the Lord saying to you. Mm-hmm. What's he saying to you? And then that person should seek their co- confirmation. In yeah. other words, 
does this sound like the Lord? You know, mm-hmm. does this sound like God to you? And don't, don't set your mind and set your heart until you've gotten confirmation because the elder generally has gone through this word more, has more experience in utilizing this word, knows the voice of God more than the person that God has planted them yeah. under, right? And that's why they're there. They're anointed to see things and know things that the other person can't. And so that's where you want to make sure that you're putting, uh, you're getting that confirmation. And uh, so when you see that, a lot of times you've got somebody who's ignoring those things and running, again, following after sin because they're not listening to the Lord a lot of times. And you're not to follow after sin in that way. Are you still in covenant with them? If they decide to come back, yes. But think about that. Even if a, if a husband and wife got divorced uh, today, right? Like that husband and wife, they're not responsible for each other's bills beyond that. Beyond that, And we understand that. Well, I'm not responsible for their mess-ups, but I am still responsible to love on them and to forgive them and move forward if they're willing to do that. And that's what God does with us as well. So I found that the best way to do that is, again, don't follow or enable their sin, but love the person like nothing happened in Mm -hmm. that way. Now, that doesn't mean if they're caustic or if they're toxic in in today's terminology, that doesn't mean that I hang around them all the time. If you're going to be toxic in that way, the Bible basically teaches you don't hang around that person. You you can love on them, but not hang around them, right? So, Mm -hmm. amen. Good question. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Joni has a couple, and I can read them one at a time. They all go back together. But she says, what's a good way to pray for someone else's child? Can you believe for their healing despite their parents' unbelief? And do you still have to pray that the eyes of their parents' eyes be enlightened? Keep do reading. Want, do you want me to read those one at a time again? No, the next read one. the next one. Oh, the next one? She said, following that, as for me and my house, who all can that entail? Is that your immediate family, like your own kids, or does that include siblings, relatives, et cetera? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, when, it, when it comes to, here, here's one of the things that God frowns upon, you forcing your will on somebody else. That's basically witchcraft. It, it's right along that same, where you're trying to control somebody else or force your will on them. God, God frowns on that. That's not a good thing. So even if I'm praying out a good thing, a godly thing, mm-hmm. but I'm praying it over your will, like, like I know, you know, Barrett's a new mom and she doesn't know any better, but Lord, you know, let Caroline be what you want her to be and uh, go this route. You know, that's actually a form of witchcraft, right? Uh, no, what you pray is, and, and uh, Paul gives us such a great example in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3, the Ephesians prayers, where he's praying for people that are not necessarily under his authority alone. Mm-hmm. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. And I think chapter 3 says, and that you would be strengthened with all God's might, with all his might. Right. So in other words, these are really good prayers to pray. When it's not you where you don't have authority, this is what you should pray unless they ask you to bring your prayer into it. If they've asked you, they're opening the door and now you can enter into that house with authority. But if they're not asking you, you don't have a right to do that. But what you can do, first of all, 
pray in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you actually are praying out the perfect will of God. Second, you can pray, Lord, I pray that their eyes of understanding or the eyes of their heart are opened so that they see so clearly what is his will and what isn't your will, and then let them be strengthened with all your might to once they see it, step into it and choose you, right? And this is the prayer that you pray. You don't want to just go praying for everybody uh, trying to force your will on them. That's actually wrong to do. And you'll be disappointed many, many times, which will weaken your faith. Now, uh, in the second question, it says this, um, how far does our authority go? Well, one of the things that you see with Joshua is when he prays that prayer, I think it's like Joshua chapter 24, uh, he's just a few years away from passing away, and he dies at like 110, I think it was. Um, it, I might might be not remembering that exactly, but he's pretty old. Like he's about 90 to 100 years old when he prays, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he's actually enacting an authority over, at the very least, all of his children and their grandchildren. Like he's enacting an authority. So uh, a patriarch or a matriarch like that has an authority over all of their house in that way. Now, can Joshua, he can pray with authority, but if one of his children decided, I don't want that, of course, they have a right to not do that, but he can still pray in his authority. He still has that authority as that patriarch. So there's some authority that's given in that way. Now, when it extends into further family, you really step outside of your authority. Uh, like, I can't, I can't just go and pray for my siblings and have that authority unless they open it up to me in the same way. Now, I may have some authority. Like, let's say that the patriarch of the family says, hey, will you pray for our family? Well, then that opens up authority because from their authority— the house that they have, the house of authority they have, they just let me come in and set the rule in that prayer. That allows me that authority. Uh, But just to go and take that without being invited to, you're actually stepping into the wrong thing. So that's that's a good question as well. Well, that's one of the things that for me, covenant is so precious with. Like those two things to me go hand in hand. Because, like, in in my family, myself, my husband, and my daughter, like, we have heard from God that Pastor and Pastor Nicole not only are our pastors, but that they are spiritual parents to us. Like, the Lord has told us, he like, you, Pastor Brian, are also dad in that way, and Pastor Nicole is mom in that way. And one of the greatest comforts that the Lord's ever given me when I was pregnant with Caroline. Like a spiritual dad and mom. Yeah, a spiritual cover. Like like Elijah was to Elisha. Yes. You know, Elisha still had a dad. Yes. But Elijah was like his spiritual dad. And so... And he even says that at the end, my father, my father. So When I was pregnant, I had all these concerns try and come up about, you know, blood, like fam, like just different things, whatever. And the Lord told me that we had given ourselves to your house. Like we were also a part, not in the same way that Abby and Rachel and Luke are. It is different, but we have a portion of of your covering in that same way through that covenant. And so if you'll give yourself to covenant, the Lord connects those things. 
even though I'm not blood yours, Correct. I am spiritually a daughter of yours. As long and I as can you partake. yield, you can come under that authority. Yes. Yeah. And that that's legal. That's spiritually legal to do that. As you yield, you come under that authority. That's why a lot of times when people are like they're fussing or arguing with their pastor and then they come up for prayer, it's not doing them any good because they're not yielding to this par- portion of it. They're actually spiritually blocking the reception of the blessing portion of it as well because they're not submitted. And that's why you know, it says submit yourselves you know, to your leaders. It tells us to do that. Yeah. And uh, that, that really is helpful. You know, a lot of people, they don't understand covenant. They don't understand authority. And then they wonder why things aren't working. Now, again, humility is the key to all of that. Humility to God, yeah. humility uh, to his ways, to leadership, uh, and it helps us avoid so many things. That's why it's so important to stay humble. We should really, really actively work uh, to be humble and hungry and, and humble ourselves to the Lord in those things. So really good questions. Amen. Yep. Uh, so continuing off of that, Joni just wants to make sure she's understanding properly. And she says, so using your example, I thought Barrett being Caroline's mom to be a bit more specific with with her prayers for Caroline, considering that she's still underneath her covering. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She can be very specific with her uh, covering. Uh, Even after Caroline is grown, uh, she definitely, she has, George and Barrett have full authority over Caroline until she is at the age to believe God on her own. Uh, really as an adult. So I would say somewhere between probably 13 and 18, uh, they have, and that I would say it's where Caroline, where the child's heart would reach that age of accountability where they know they need to trust God and they have the responsibility for it. It's not just knowing that, but they're they're taking responsibility mm-hmm. for it. Um, but there comes a place where they have responsibility for it, whether they want it or not. Mm-hmm. You can't be a professional kid uh, in in your faith. You know, you have to grow up and, and take responsibility for those things. The Bible teaches us that. But even after they grow up, uh, the parents will have an authority in their life. And we mm-hmm. see that by what Joshua said. You know, he didn't just say, you know, things are, they're going to be blessed. He said, no, we will serve the Lord. And he took his authority in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we will serve the Lord. This household mm-hmm. will serve the Lord. He was making a statement in that way. And, of course, that's led by the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You know, that's not just him saying that. That's him being led by the Holy Ghost. So, obviously, it's okay with God to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, at the same time, like I said, he can make that statement, but a grown child in their own responsibility yeah. reject that. And he can he can pray that their eyes will be open and enlightened. But at that moment, what's happening? There's a covering where the blessing is flowing, but the child by the a grown child by their own uh will decides to disconnect from that covering. Mm-hmm. So now they're mm-hmm. not submitted to it. He doesn't have authority over their life except to plead mercy and that their eyes will be open. Yeah. Those things will happen on his authority, on the leader's authority, but he won't have any more authority of that until that, that child yeah. submits mm-hmm. again. 
Well, and you see that example with David and Solomon as well. Like Solomon yeah. could have had the entire kingdom stripped from him, but for the sake of David, the mercy of God allowed Solomon to not have it stripped from him. Yes. Like you literally yeah. see that in scripture. Yeah. And your answer actually just answered Serena's question. Like mm -hmm. how much authority do parents have of adult children? Yeah, and so you think about how the anointing flows and how the covering flows as well. Uh, you see in Psalm 133 where the oil comes on the head to the beard to all the fringes of the clothes. That only, there's only a flow of the anointing, the blessing, the covering, the protection for as long as the person is connected. Mm -hmm. So if they, by their own choice, disconnect, there's no flow. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's no flow of blessing. There's no flow of those things. And that's what's so dangerous about that because that's the way and that's the design of God, not design of men. That's the design of God. Mm -hmm. And so when they disconnect, so now think about this. Um, how, if people come to church, like let's say people come to Boomerang, does that, and they're there every Sunday, does that mean they're connected? Nope. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that they're connected. It just means that they're attending. Connection is a, a heart element. It's a, it's a movement of the heart, not just of location, right? And so they could come but never listen, never let the word change them, and they're not going to receive the same stuff. They're yeah, like, well, I'm in here, and I, well, I tried this, and the blessing didn't work for me. No, the blessing worked. You never connected to it yeah. in that way. You never, or you know, you can have people that connect, but then you tell them something they don't like it, and they get mad, and they get rebuked or whatever, and they disconnect in their heart. They're still there, but they're disconnected in their heart. Yeah, that that's not going to work, and it's not going to flow like that. It works the same way in in families as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, in reference to praying against someone's will being witchcraft. Someone watching wants to know, what are the Bible verses that talk about that being witchcraft? Googled them. <laughs> Go to Google, put in Bible, what is, say Bible witchcraft verses. But basically you see uh, the place in the, basically you see it in the law uh, where it says, suffer not a witch to live. Uh, you see where it talks about uh you know, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You see the witch at Endor. Did you, do you have some? Well, the, the one that you just quoted is 1 Samuel 15, 23. Yeah. And um, a, a lot of translations say as or is like, but that word as or like is not actually in the original yeah. Hebrew. It's rebellion is witchcraft. So anything yes. that supersedes God's structure of authority is witchcraft. Mm -hmm. So think about this. Think about this now, because a lot of people, they don't, they don't like this. The moment that you come against what God is saying in a leader, you're in witchcraft. Even if, you, if he says, or she says, go do this, and you're like, and you go do it, but in your heart you're like, I don't really want to do that. You're actually operating in a form of witchcraft. That's how, that's how subtle that is, and that's an entrance way that many people have. That's why he <laughs> says that if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, right? Not just yeah. obedient. Mm -hmm but willing and obedient, which means what do we need to do? We need to work on our heart and get ourselves in that right place, of course. And so you can, have, you can have your leader say, hey, you need to do this, and you're just like, I don't want to do that right now, right? You actually are operating in a form of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you're a witch. It doesn't mean all that. 
garbage that the devil would try to condemn you with, but it does mean that it's an open door. You need to shut quickly and strongly and, and stop doing that. Humility, again, humility. You know, what did the Lord say to me every single day during that year? Hunger, Hunger and, humility. and humility. Hunger and humility. These are major keys that are our responsibility to put on every single day. And God's structure of leadership is not just pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher. It's right. also husbands, mm-hmm. parents, like bosses, all of those yes. are leaders. Yes. So wives, yeah. that's your husband. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Abigail. I really like how you're, uh, go ahead, uh, Abigail. I really like how her shirt took on the, the kind of blue and red rainbow behind it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a new textile that's coming out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> all right. Hannah Settler is wanting to know, what is the best way to resist the fear of missing it be anxious for nothing don't do it amen stop stop it (laughs) learn to recognize the emotion of fear you know you don't have to fear missing it um if you're fearing missing it you're already missing it so you're doing the very thing that you're fearing Mm -hmm. um don't do that you know here's what's going to happen here's the design of god and it's so simple, but people, like, they, they get so much in their logic, and uh, they condemn themselves out of the flesh. It's like, you're not looking at what you're bringing to the table. You have a responsibility to do that, but what we bring to the table is never enough on its own. Yep. It's never enough. But we have a God who is more than enough. And so even if we're bringing a tenth of a percent, God's bringing the other Mm 99.9, right? He will make it full. So we don't, all we have to do is be obedient to bring us, Mm -hmm. to bring ourselves and what we have in our hand, and God will make up the rest. He is the God of more than enough. Obviously, the things he's asking us to do are supernatural. And with men, what, what Jesus said in Matthew 19 and Mark 10, with men... These things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Yeah. He's not asking us to look at what we're not bringing. He's asking us to look at what God is bringing. When you focus your eyes on what God's bringing and not what you're not bringing yeah. and just be willing and obedient, it solves that issue. Uh, this, is, this is so much a, a problem in today's world because we have not had preachers and teachers that have taught about a revelation of righteousness and we need to get a revelation of righteousness. We'll put the, put the link in there. You've got to get a revelation of righteousness. If you're struggling with that, you need a revelation of righteousness. If yeah. you, you need a revelation of can, can I say it a thousand times more? You need a revelation of righteousness. Hebrews teaches us that a revelation of righteousness is the measuring stick of our spiritual yeah. maturity. Um, we need a revelation of righteousness. And so we'll put that link in the comment in the description. But you got to get through that. You got to yeah. get a revelation uh, that you're not going to miss it. Here's God's perfect plan for this: You have a flesh that's trying to always uh, steal, kill, and destroy because it took on the nature of the devil. It's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, uh, and take things away from you, take your fellowship away from God. Okay, it's going to be doing that until you receive a glorified body. It's going to be doing that. That's not you. 
The real you is the righteousness of God in Christ. Who The real you is designed as a believer. You are born again. You are made the righteousness of God in Christ. If you're not a believer, then you need to get that and this yeah. stuff will work. But the real you is designed to be in fellowship with God. It's designed to be in fellowship with God. That's its natural state is to be in fellowship with God. What is there to fear about me not being able to be in fellowship with God? There's nothing. If a fear comes in that I can't fellowship with God, I can't hear from God, that's the devil. Yeah. That's Put that thought down because your natural state is to be in fellowship with God. It's going, if you long to do that and hunger and, and humble yourself uh, to do that, it will happen. <laughs> that's, that's it. It'll happen. And then in that fellowship, the Lord will show you what to do. And, and you just say uh, every day, this is abide, listen, and obey. You Just today, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. You don't fear about tomorrow or later this afternoon. Right now, I, Lord, I abide in you. What are you telling me to do? And then you go do that thing. Yeah. And then, and then if you do miss that, like he says something and you miss it, you just simply repent, confess and repent, get rid of that thing, receive forgiveness from your righteousness, yeah. and then you move forward. Now, when you repent, we're not just like, oh, I'm sorry, I got caught. You're making a real heart change, and you move forward just like it didn't happen, and now you're right back in that fellowship again, and God's going to strengthen that, and you're just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger as time goes. You don't fear that. Yeah. You don't fear that. That's a That fear is not from God. That's a fear from the devil, and, and he uses that so that people won't even step forward, and they'll actually get depressed. They'll get in fear. They'll get in all those things. Stop it. Well, and the the revelation of covenant goes right hand in hand with yeah. all of that too. Like it's so fitting that we talked about that at the beginning because God is a covenant God. And here's the thing, like pastor was talking earlier that we aren't to fellowship with someone who's in constant sin. And we have that example in the word, but God never leaves his people. Like God may not be able to have the full access to us because of sin. Like we can separate ourselves from him, but he doesn't depart from that. Like yeah. he is a faithful yeah. God. You see pictures of that time and time and time again in the word. Like I was reading in Hosea this morning, like that's Hosea is a prophet that the Lord told, go marry Gomer, the prostitute. She's prostituting herself with other men. Hosea was to be a type of Jesus that even though we missed it and we've missed it and we've missed it and we've missed it, Jesus is faithful. So even if you were to miss it, we're not believing to, but even if you were, the yeah. covenant that Jesus cut, it was for you, but it wasn't with us. He cut it for man. So that way, even in our misses, our righteousness is upheld in Christ. Our covenant is upheld in Christ. The love of God, it's upheld in Christ. So even if you miss it, God is a forgiving and a patient and an always loving God who loves you. So the righteousness, it goes hand in hand with covenant because in order to be righteous, we have to first be a part of the covenant. Yeah. Like, like they go yeah. hand in hand. Hey, Marky said something. She said, I will just do it, laugh out loud, committing my words so that my thoughts are established. That's Proverbs 16, 3, I believe. Um, she was just telling me a testimony this morning how all these years I've been telling her, she says, what do I do when this comes up and I say, just do what you need to do. Just do the godly thing and just just do it. 
And she was like, it's not that simple. I was like, no, it actually is that simple. And she was telling me a testimony of, because uh, what she had done was she had always tried to figure it out. So I've got to figure it out, and then I'll do it. And, it, and instead of that, she just, all right, I'm not going to figure it out. I'm just going to do what yeah. I need to do here. And what happened was she, noticed, like 20 minutes went by, she went, Oh my goodness, it worked. It worked. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I didn't have to figure it out. I'm like, no, it's an act of your faith. You know, you put faith that it would work because you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And it did that. If you go into logic and trying to figure out the perfect response and get all the T's crossed and the I's dotted, now it's works on you, which you're not bringing enough to the table in your own flesh. You have to, how do we overcome the world? By our faith, faith, our faith. And so she just did it, stepping out in faith, and it worked. Mm -hmm. And now her thoughts are established more towards that, you see? And and that's that's one of the beautiful things about it is we're not doing you know when I do great great and mighty things I'm not doing it out of my own strength I'm doing it knowing that God's going to meet me and that He's going to be working through me through my hands you know I'm not doing it out of me if I was doing it out of me I would be an ultimate failure right Amen All right Okay Johnny said. Would you say that the only time condemnation is allowed is when we are outside of God's covenant? I Yes, but why would you why would we allow condemnation then like when we have the freedom of condemnation? So that condemnation will come at all times, but the moment that condemnation comes, we should instantly receive the the solution for that condemnation. In other words, we should never carry, not even an unbeliever should carry condemnation for one second. Like it should come and instantly we should receive. So of course, most unbelievers don't know that, but look at, if you would look up um, uh, John 3, 16 and 17. You know, John 3, 16, everybody knows John 17 Many people don't know what it actually says there. It's a very important verse. And God, and then uh, if you would, buddy, look up Romans 8.1 and look it up in the, in the King James. And um, so when we see this, God didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. Mm -hmm. And so why would I have condemnation and keep living in it for any period of time, yeah. especially if I'm a believer with an inheritance yeah. and rights? I should never carry condemnation. You know, even if I did the worst thing, I should get I should repent and get forgiveness, receive forgiveness and exit condemnation just that quick. Conviction and condemnation yes. are different. Yes, very different. Condemnation carries with it a punishment. Mm -hmm. Conviction carries with it a direction. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just a direction change. Stop doing that, do this. Yeah. You know, very different. All right? John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So he didn't bring Jesus in to uh, condemn it and to judge it but to save it mm -hmm. from that judgment, yeah. to save it from that judgment. 
Listen, no believer should be fallen under the wrath of God. It yeah. wasn't designed for you, and no unbeliever has to stay at that place. That's the good news. Yeah. You don't have to stay there, and, and no believer should be following, falling under that. He says the wrath is laid up for the unbelievers, right? For the mm -hmm. heathen that won't accept it. In rebellion, they won't accept the free gift of God. Mm -hmm. and But yet, uh, and he says that uh, all of that judgment and that wrath, he says we should, for eternity, he's made an everlasting covenant for eternity. We will never taste it. So think about this, all of the judgment that people and punishment that people walk, walk in is not because it's theirs, it's because they've accepted the lie that it's supposed to be theirs. Mm -hmm. It's not theirs. Yeah. They can easily have the solution, right, just very quickly. All right, Romans uh, 8. Romans 8, 1. Uh, back up, back up chapter 7, who will save me? Uh, chapter 7. Um, o wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus, yeah. who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Correct. And you see that, again, this comes back to a lack of the revelation of righteousness. Um, again, it's a lack of the revelation of the three parts of man, right? Uh, again, it's a lack of humility to what God's already said and a hunger to go do what he said. So, you know, we're seeing these things repeat. Yeah. Hunger, humility, righteousness, Yeah. right? Uh, what was the other one I said? I just said it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Huh? Um, we're seeing righteousness. We're seeing humility, hunger, and I said another thing. What was it that I said? <laughs> uh, so we're seeing these things repeat over and over and over and over again, and we need to make sure that we're actually, we have a revelation of all the three parts of man. So without understanding the three parts of man, without understanding righteousness, without giving ourselves to hunger and humility, we're going to find ourselves in a problem. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to see this. He says, O wretched man that I am, O wretched man that I am, without a lack of the revelation of righteousness will make us wretched. It's the, he was wretched because he hadn't applied righteous, righteousness. But when we get righteousness, we understand it's already ours to be had. It takes away the wretchedness. So a lot of believers have been struggling in a wretchedness they never were supposed to carry because yeah. they haven't understood righteousness. They haven't understood their righteousness. And uh, you'll find that most things will come back to those four areas. Those are four keys to the Bible and to the Christian walk that I think are absolutely necessary. Yeah. Absolutely necessary. The three parts of man, because if you don't, you're not gonna understand how this works and what your response should be. Three parts of man, righteousness, hunger, and humility, yeah. our responsibility for hunger and humility. Yeah. Well, even like, again, I, I'm teaching Old Testament survey right now, so I've been in the Old Testament a lot lately. But as you're talking, you know, I sent you a message this morning. It's so easy for people who haven't 
had a revelation on the things you just mentioned. Yeah. To read through the Old Testament and to just assume that God is an angry, judgmental, yes. yeah. mean God. But when you're reading through it, God, like the only time that I that I've read through where He's condemning, you know, the people of God, or they're in a sentence or something like that, it's after decades and decades and decades of conviction coming of direction being passed to them like hundreds of years and then something had to be done because he's a just God but God is so faithful to his people that as soon as they turn their hearts back to him like it stopped you see that with King Hezekiah you know he was in such sin and mess and then the moment God came and he realized he was in a state of mess and he turned his heart toward God God spared him you see it with Nineveh when Jonah goes to talk and here comes Jonah with the message of the Lord and all of this depravity is there, but they heard the voice of the Lord and they turned, God saved them for another 150 years. They weren't even serving him up until that point. They had turned. God's a faithful God. And so even at the point where to the world, it could look harsh. God is faithful. He's a protector. He's a preserver. He doesn't look to sentence his people. He is always looking to save them. Every single, he's a saver. Yeah. Always. Amen. This um, scholar had a good question. Go ahead. Uh, he says, is there a difference between your study time and sermon prep, or is it all one and the same? Uh, yeah, I do believe that there's a difference there. Now, what you'll find is, this is, I think, most of the time when people start out to study for sermons, what they will do is they will have, if they're doing it properly, they'll have a time that's just fellowship with God. And in that time, they can study the Word, and God can show them things. And then they'll have a time set aside for their sermon preparation. Uh, and those, and that's a correct way to look at that if that's the way that the Lord's led you to go about that. Just a lot of ministers consider their sermon preparation time as their time with the Lord. Right. And it's kind of like going to work and punching the clock, you know, and then uh, counting that as your date time with your wife, like mm-hmm. that, because you work at the same place. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? That that doesn't work. That's not really intimate fellowship time with the Lord. And so a lot of times people have that idea that, and I've done that. I made that mistake in the past before where that time was my you know was my intimate time with the Lord? It wasn't. I had some great moments there, but that's really like almost a work time in doing that. Now, as I've progressed in how I minister and how the Lord ministers to me, my the way that I minister and where my sermons come from are I would say unorthodox to where most people get their messages from. But I think it's actually the right way to do it. But what you'll find is that that sermon prep should flow out of your intimate time with the Lord. In other words, you're sitting there, you're having intimate time with the Lord, and there's such a feeling and an overflow in that intimate fellowship with God, which can be study time, it can be spirit-led word, prayer, spirit-led prayer, and spirit-led worship. That's intimate fellowship. You have four parts of fellowship. Those are the three main ingredients, spirit-led word time, Spirit-led prayer time and spirit-led worship, mm-hmm. and then and you do those alone individually. But also, you can't have proper fellowship without also doing those yeah. 
things corporately. Yeah. So God commands us to do those things corporately as well. So you don't don't forsake the fellowship of the saints. Uh, and so we want to not just be alone by ourselves. You know, somebody will say, well, I can just have my church all by myself. No, you can't. That's not the way it works. You know, mm-hmm. God's commanded us to do both. And so we need to do both. But so in that intimate fellowship with the God, I, with the God, with the Lord, um, <laughs> I blended them. Um, <laughs> what, you, what you'll see is that I've received many messages while I was sitting in church yeah. with other believers. I've also received many messages while I'm having my time with the Lord. I'll be sitting there in time with the Lord. He'll say, oh, do this on Lunch Plus. I mean, I got a running list of topics I could pull from at any moment. And often that's what I'll do. In my fellowship with the Lord, I'll write down a thought or an idea for a message or a series. And then this is how I started. It doesn't flow as much this way, but this is a good way to start. Then I would go back to those notes when it was time to prepare and say, all right, Lord, is there something on this list mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit is highlighting to me to tackle this week yeah. or this day, and or is it something else? And I would, I would keep my spiritual ears open for the Lord to talk to me about that. So that flowed out of an overflow of my time with the Lord. Or you could just be sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, it's like this past Sunday, in my intimate and fellowship with the Lord, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost all week long. I'm prepared. I've got notes that I've been trying to preach now for like two months. I still hadn't gotten to them. And I wake up, I'm thinking today's the day. I'm actually going to finish this series, Allo. And, uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden I wake up and he drops VIP in my spirit. I knew instantly what it was, where to start going. And, and within a number of minutes, I had the message. And, and honestly, one of the most anointed messages that I've had, and, and it came in probably the least amount of preparation time when you look at it, what happened this week, mm-hmm. right? But now you have to understand that, that I had years of study and preparation that funneled into this one moment. And so there was preparation time, but my preparation time this week was spending time with the Lord, mm-hmm. praying in the Holy Ghost, doing those things. But I do think that those times are different. They should not be seen as the same. Yeah. Uh, but what you'll end up doing is having fellowship with the Lord all throughout your day, even in your sermon prep too. Yeah. Uh, but as, you know, we could, I could talk more about this for quite some time, so I'm <laughs> going to be quiet now. Amen. Glory to God. Hope that helps. Yes. Okay, Kelly said, I wanted to know this for a while. Is bullying or manipulating unbelievers to accept Jesus a form of witchcraft? Where do you make sure to not cross a line? Do you accept their no at the first no? She said, I've seen some things when going soul winning that felt like some people were forced or manipulated into saying it. Great question. <laughs> um, yes and no. There's, if you're just looking at it from a logical, physical standpoint, then you could say that anytime somebody is moving by the Holy Spirit and not being moved by the Holy Spirit, that they're forcing that view on somebody. Uh, but when you're looking at it at a spiritual standpoint, there's the moment where the prophet stands up in the midst of the people that are all mm-hmm. pretty much in rebellion and tells them what God said. Yeah. Is he being forceful at that moment uh, to say that? Is he being led by God? Uh, the, you know, the question is, did God actually say to do that or not? 
Um, you'll notice in the New Testament it says, go out into the highway and hedges and compel them to come in. In other words, we want to be you know, wise as serpents but harmless as doves. We want to make sure that we are utilizing the wisdom of the Lord, and that means that we're being led by him and saying what he has us to say. At certain moments, the Lord will have you say things that to a fleshly, logical mind will look like force. It'll look like compulsion, but that's what he's telling us to do in some cases. Then you can have people that think that's the way to always win people. And this is what you have to watch. I found, found this. Many times the Lord will be moving with an anointing. And people will think that because he moved that way, he always will move that way. No, every circumstance has a leading from the Lord, and you have to hear what is the Lord telling me to do in this moment. I've had times where I just wanted to walk away from somebody, and the Lord said, no, you, you keep talking to them right now. I know they're, they're not receiving it. You keep talking to them. I've had times where I wanted to keep talking to them. The Lord says, walk away right now. You have to be obedient. It all comes back down to him writing the law on our heart and being obedient to him, uh, mm -hmm. and you have to follow that. So that's what it's going to come down to in most cases. So. Well, I know with our soul winning, one of the things that you've like taught us to do at, at different points can sound strong. It's not manipulation, but you're talking to a person's spirit man Correct. versus their soul. That's so right. like at one point when we're leading people in prayer, we're, we don't Great ask point. them, would you please pray with me? Because at that point, you're no. enacting their soul. But when you're, after you've given them the their word. Their mind, will, or emotions yes. who it, that is unrenewed. Yes. I don't want to talk to the unrenewed portion. I want to talk to the spirit man, the real man, made in the image and likeness of God mm -hmm. that was designed for this. And I speak to that spirit man and say, pray this prayer with me. Yeah. And that's, that's actually the wisdom of the word compelling that spirit. And then a lot of times they'll pray. Sometimes they'll still say no because they have a heart that's that's against it and they don't want that. And then you say, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. No, yeah. And, and at that point, it's not you making them pray. At that point yeah. in time in the salvation process, you've already told them the good news. You've yeah. given them hope. You've given them the word and their spirit man's being fed. So it's already primed to respond yes anyway. Yeah. You're just helping it along. So I know for me at different points that felt like I was forcing my will and yeah. it wasn't. I was helping their spirit man to break a habit or to break loose amongst a habit of soulish. Yes. junk in that way. Understanding that, that you're talking to that spirit man, it changes everything in that, in that scenario. It really changes things uh, because you realize that as I'm giving them the word, as I'm giving them scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is, that's scripture, right? So I know that if they received revelation, which I can't tell that, yeah, I can't tell if they received revelation or not. I'm not going to be able to really tell that unless God speaks to me directly. But I know if I'm giving them the word, the opportunity for revelation, rhema to happen comes. And if they got rhema, faith is sitting there right now ready to go. I speak to that faith and say, pray with me. Yep. That's not manipulation. That's actually just walking out what he's told us to do, yeah. uh, to be laborers in the field. Now, if, the, if you see somebody continuing to force, 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 
that could be a problem. But then every now and then you have the case where the Holy Spirit led somebody to do that, and that guy says, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden they break down, they yield to Jesus, and their yeah. life is changed, and their eternity is saved. So yeah. was he right? Was that person right to keep on? Yeah, if they heard from the Holy Ghost, it's right. Yeah. And that's where you, you, the Holy Spirit knows where to put his finger in that person's mind, in their life, in the core of who they are. And you have to, you have to move to that place. Yeah. So you have to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. These are mm -hmm. great questions. One thing I do want to see in y'all's questions even more is these are all pretty good. But there's a lot of times in the question and answer sessions, you're asking doctrine and theology. But what I'm not seeing a lot is, how do I fix this in my life right now? Mm -hmm. You know, be bold enough to ask those questions because you're probably not the only one. How do I, how do I move into business right now? Yeah. How do I do this? What do I do? You know, don't just give the theological uh, yeah. questions out there. A handle solutions that you need today yeah. for your life, for this, for this life we're living on the earth. Uh, don't be afraid to answer the, or to ask those yeah. questions as well. So that'll help. That helps more people. See, when people answer those types of questions, there's always a, a spiritual root to that, but that helps them to be uh, blessed yeah. and be a, walking in the abundance to be the light to do every good work and to be the light that people see and desire in that way. So don't be afraid of those types of questions. But some people think like, well, that kind of question is selfish. No, that question is actually what God wants to do. He wants you to be blessed mm -hmm. and to give you all things richly to enjoy. This is where he wants to take you. Um, it plays a part in the whole. Think yeah. about this. If, I, if I'm struggling with a sickness, how good am I at preaching? Like, I'm not very good at it. So I need that physical thing handled to help do the yeah. spiritual thing. Uh, how, how good was Moses <laughs> to win the battle? If he didn't have Joshua and or Aaron and her to help him lift that physical uh, stick, the rod, yeah. right? So sometimes there's physical things that stand away. How 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 devoted are we going to be to getting the things of God done if we can't even pay our bills? Yeah. What's going to be on our mind? I know I got to get my bills paid. I got to get this. I got to do this. I got to do that. So Skyler amen. took you up on uh, on your challenge right there. He says, how do I handle my pastor being my pastor, my friend, and my girlfriend's dad? Is Love Pastor, you, pastor John, John watching or listening right now? <laughs> <laughs> That's my question for you. No, um, good luck with that, Skylar. That's one of those questions we're not going to answer. No, um, just kidding. No. That's an interesting situation because, yeah, Skylar is dating Pastor John's daughter, and he is... He left one out because I think he's also your employer, if, if that's correct. So he's your pastor, he's your friend, he's your girlfriend's dad, and employer, if I'm correct. And so, uh, woohoo, that's a big old bundle of worldly stuff and entanglements. Amen. And uh, But it can be beautiful. You mm -hmm. operate, you take the responsibility of humility to each one of those roles. Uh, the number one part in your life. Yeah, he says we see each other like all day, every day. <laughs> and uh, Abigail, my daughter, goes pray. Pray a lot. <laughs> um, the number one thing is you need to put those in order of importance. You need to put those in mm -hmm. priority. Mm -hmm. um, let me just kick the friend thing out uh, for a second, and I'll tell you why. 
let me deal with that first, and then we'll prioritize the other ones. Um, Jesus said this. He said, he was talking to his disciples, and then he says this, and now, now, in other words, there was a time to it, mm-hmm. and now I call you friend. Mm-hmm. I call you friend, right? And so one of the things that you see is that the tag of friend did not come from the subordinate. It came from the superior, mm-hmm. right? So one major way to keep balance in your life is a, a child should not look at their as their parent as a friend, and a parent should not give their child the tag of friend too early. Mm-hmm. This is important um, because if you do, you're going to um, get your relationship out of balance because friends are peers, right? And the question is, well, do you want Pastor John as your peer, someone you can tell a story to, or do you want Pastor John as somebody who has some spiritual authority in your life? This is a great question. Mm-hmm. Do, you mm-hmm. want, do you want him as a peer that can't really add to you but just kind of be a sounding board for you, or do you want him as an authority with an anointing in your life? which helps us also go to the next question about our prioritization of that. Uh, Many people too quickly try to make their leaders friends. Mm -hmm. And there is something to be said for being family. In other words, these guys are my family, right? They're family. But they're more family than they are friend in that way. Um, A friend many times will not talk to somebody the way that a pastor needs to talk to a congregant in that way. They won't talk to them in the same way. So even if a pastor is doing all the right things, but you view him as a friend, if you view him as a friend, you're not going to receive him as a pastor. You're going to receive him as a friend, and you have to watch that. The subordinate can call that person friend, and I think they should only do that when the person has proven Mm -hmm. that they can separate the friend at the right time and walk away from it. So Dr. Richard Moore, who is a good friend of mine, and he's been a good friend of Dr. Rodney Howard Brown for over 30 years. He says, we're friends. He said, but number one, he's my pastor. But you have to understand, that's after they've gone through, they've, they've treaded a lot of water together. There's a lot mm-hmm. of water under the bridge of their relationship. So that probably didn't start at that place. Right. I know where it started was Dr. Rodney was preaching around the country, and Dr. Richard, before he, I think it was before he was Dr. Richard, traveled to go get under the anointing, get under the fire for Mm -hmm. a long time. And then he got so hungry, the fire got on him. And then sometime long after that, they became friends. They knew each other, but they weren't friends. But now he has that friend uh, tag. But Dr. Richard said to me, he said, because we were talking about this, he said, I know, I know that when Pastor comes under that anointing as a pastor. We can be in the golf cart, joking around, being friends with each other, and then all of a sudden there's an authority of heaven that comes on him. He says, at that moment, I drop being a friend and being all cute and funny, and I listen to the voice of my pastor. Now, see, that's maturity, but if you think about that, how many people know how to do that? Let me answer that for you. Not many. Very, 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 very few. And that's why the friend tag needs to be generated and originated 
from the, the person who has an authority over their life, and you see that in what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. So with that set aside, you got to watch that. You got to be mindful of that. Um, see, this is the problem in Nazareth, why he not didn't do many works, but he could do yeah. no mighty work because they saw him and they even said it. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Right. They didn't see the son of David, the Messiah, the anointed one of Israel. They saw the carpenter's son. They saw him by the flesh. Uh, they saw him by the friend. You know, they, the, that natural tag instead of what God had actually tagged them with. And so that, that's something to be mindful of. I think that's a good teaching for everybody. All right, now, then you want to look at what's your most important relationship with him. Is it girlfriend's dad? Is it pastor or is it employer? Well, you, you sort that by, by spiritual. Mm -hmm. What is mm -hmm. the number one thing? What's the most important thing? The most important thing there is pastor. Right, yeah. that he helps oversee your life and shepherd your life. That's a, I, in a heartbeat. In order to keep him in that right role as pastor, I would give up friend. I would give up girlfriend's dad. I would give up employer. Yeah. I'd give up each one of those to keep that spiritual one in the right place and, and esteeming it right. That shows you the priority of it. Yep. Uh, definitely friend would be at the bottom of that list. Employer and girlfriend's dad are, you know, something else. If he's your employer, then you have a responsibility towards him, uh, and that's important to uphold. Uh, you know, and then you have girlfriend's dad. Well, you're not in covenant yet, so at this time, I would say understanding this relationship would be very important. Pastor, employer, girlfriend's dad, yeah. right? In that way. Now, if you if you got married and you were now in covenant, those two things would switch because that covenant with your wife would then take precedence in that family over the employer. Uh, and so yeah. that's what you want to watch. And you can start thinking that way towards now. You shouldn't be dating really if you're not thinking about being married at some point in the future or else you're just satisfying your flesh, yep. just the comforting the flesh uh, in your relationship. So you should be thinking about those things. The other, you know, but what is that going to take for all of those friend, girlfriends, dad, employer? That's going to take being led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. Love is going to take humility. It's going to take having a revelation of righteousness and an understanding of the three parts of man. Everything we've been talking about, they're all going to come into play. Yeah. But you honor that pastor uh, as first. Yeah. So, well, and does that help. If I can roll fast, like I, I know when when we started really getting this revelation of pastor here in the church culture, it was after I'd been here already a couple of years. And I viewed pastors as friends of mine. And so mm. when I heard that, yeah. it like it, it hurt my flesh because I was like, I don't want to lose my relationship but with it, pastor. But it was hurting you before that. It was, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And here's what I'll say. Like, I don't call you friend in that way, but yeah. our relationship hasn't been damaged. I haven't lost anything. Yeah. Our relationship has actually been stronger now than it ever was before. Correct. And so the flesh hears that and is like, oh no, I'm losing a title or something. Yeah. It, no, you're not going to lose anything. You're going to gain. And then if and when that evolves back, it means that you can handle it at yeah. that point in time. But it's not a loss. Correct. That's mm -hmm. right. It's, it's, it is moving forward when you understand that. 
And even like, for example, you used to hang out more when in the early years, you hung out with us more than you do now. Mm-hmm. Well, part of that, you have a husband, you have a daughter, and you need to give them that time as well. Uh, but part of it also is you had more needs spiritually at that time as well that you have now conquered and, and now are running in the right area with it. But also, you understand there's other people that have needs like you used to. And it, and so and this goes back to kind of what we were talking about yesterday. You have to get to the place where you are okay with something that doesn't make sense. So let's say that I, we had all the leaders uh, come over to the house but didn't invite her. She's got to be okay with that, right? Because if there is, I promise you, if that happened, there's a reason, and it's a good one, or it wouldn't happen. You yeah. see what I mean? But let's say that, you know, let's say that Buddy and Serena, Buddy and his wife, we had them over uh, every single, let, let's say this, this, this is not going to happen, but uh, not this year, but um, let's say that, like, for example, you've come over, you and George have come over almost every Christmas day. Uh, for quite some time. Nobody else does that, um, but you have. But let's say that that all of a sudden this year, the Lord gives me leading. He says, invite Buddy and Serena to come over on Christmas Day and don't invite you. Mm-hmm. You got to be okay with that. You yep. know, you've got to be all right and comfortable. Like you've not lost something. There's a reason for it. And it might be something that God's doing. Yeah. And you can't get jealous. You can't get bent. You can't get bitter. That's where that humility has to come into play. Yeah. And there's going to be moments. There will be moments like that. You there know? have been moments. Oh, there that, have been. Yeah. That, that exact yeah. situation, not Christmas, yeah. but that you guys have had the crab trees over and not invited myself and George. Yeah. And We've had to be okay, not just for y'all, but I'm called Correct. to be in Buddy and Serena's life as yes. well as a sister, as a co-laborer, as a leader. Like, I have to be okay or else I'm going to damage them if I'm not. Well, I, I can tell you multiple times where I've been at a meeting and, like, I'm close and personal to one of my leaders and they have invited me back or maybe they've invited me to a special dinner or a planning dinner or something like that. And they've invited me to that. And then I go back another time and they have another planning meeting. I'm not invited to that one. It's like, did I get demoted? Yeah. You know, did I, what, what happened? You know, and your flesh and your emotions won't take over, but you realize there's critical moments where maybe God knows this, I might say one thing. It might even be true. It might even be godly, but it will it will get this person off because they're not ready to handle it. God knows that. Yep. And and I would feel compelled to say it, uh, or I would add an element in that where it muddies the waters, yep. right? And I don't need to be there. And I got to be okay with that because what's more important, my feelings or the kingdom of God advancing in that way? And so this is where you learn to humble yourself to those things, not get bent out of shape about it. It's going to happen. It does happen. It doesn't mean you're demoted. It doesn't mean you're devalued. It may mean that you've actually grown to the place that you can handle it. Yeah. It actually can be a, a compliment in a big way that I can trust you to your feelings. You know, for example, when we have a major meeting like Kickstart coming up, you know, when, when we have a major meeting uh, uh, like that, you know who doesn't get hardly any attention in weeks like that? My whole leadership team. 
You know why? Because I'm trusting that they are grown up enough to handle their own feelings and emotions and will handle them rightly. And my attention in that week needs to be elsewhere. It needs to be towards ministry. It needs to be towards Brother Tracy if Amen. he's the speaker. And I need people that can support that without me having to, to coddle them and, and pet their flesh yeah. uh, to keep them happy, right? And if I have somebody that melts down every time we have major meetings, they won't be a leader for long. I've learned that, you know? Yeah. And so I, that is one of the greatest compliments that I can give is that I trust you to fix yourself. Yeah. Like I'm trusting you to fix yourself without my input. Yeah. Go after God or else you don't need to be in that position. And so this is a compliment to people. Yeah. And in that way, and it's a way where we need to grow up into that place and and be okay with it. So when I go to, like, for example, when we go out to Texarkana at Brother Tracy's minister's conference, I, I, I will go to every dinner he invites me to. I will be with him 24-7 if he wants me to because he is my man of God. He's like our spiritual dad. If he needs me, I'm there. But guess what? I don't need to do that. I don't need to be around. If he doesn't say, take time and say one word, do I want a word? Do I want time with him? Yes. Yes, I want every bit of time that I can have. But if he needs to give that to somebody else, I am completely okay. In other words, I don't need his friendship tap on the shoulder, right? I need his spiritual leadership and his leading and his guiding. That's where I draw from. And then I know that those other things fall into place. Yeah. So, amen. Amen. That's awesome. Skylar said that's super helpful. As a, Right now, we're at 140, and we have two more questions. Do okay. you want to go through them fast? No more questions. Let me try and answer these. Okay. Go for it, Abby. Okay. Greg says, Brother Tracy gave us a word to begin simplifying our lives. What are some good ways to do that? Well, the first thing I would do is I would lay out every activity that you're up. You know, what's every major activity that you're up to? Uh, the way to do that is to look into your checkbook. Look at where are your finances going and on your calendar. Where are you spending time on? What are you spending money on? I would lay out every activity and I would start to eliminate. I would ask the Lord, which ones do you want me to absolutely keep in my life? Uh, and then I would say, which ones do you want me to get rid of? And uh, I would begin to prioritize in my mind uh, what the Lord said, and I would be willing to drop anything that he told me to drop in an instant, even if it was a big thing. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to, and I've done that multiple times in my life. You have to learn how to focus and be 100%. You don't want to be 80% on 10 things. Mm-hmm. You'd mm-hmm. rather be 100% on two things mm-hmm. than, than to be 80% on 10 things, right? You got to learn how to focus on that. And uh, so I would lay those out, then pray over them, seek the Lord on them, get counsel and confirmation on those things. And um, that's what I would do. Most people are too busy. The devil's done a very good job of teaching this world uh, to be uh, overstimulated. And that's why they don't rest good. They can't think well. They don't do good what they're called to do because they're they're spread too thin. Uh, Their time, they're always, always, always thinking there's too much stuff they need to simplify. Turn the TV off, turn off whatever you yeah. need, turn the radio off. And, you know, in my car, I almost never listen to the radio. I yeah. listen to it more in December, Christmas music for my wife, than I listen to it the rest of the year. Like, that's it. You know, like, I don't, I don't listen to the radio. I'll, I'll talk on the phone, I'll talk to God, or I'll talk to the person in the car. 
uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't do that. It's it's a you know I don't just have random stuff. Now that doesn't mean that the Lord won't tell me to turn the radio on. He might, and I can if He tells me to do that, I will. And that can just I can rest my yeah. mind. You know, maybe that way. Uh, but these are things that I bring up to the Lord and simply, and then I move on those. I don't once I know that God told me and I have confirmed it. I move on those, and I don't make excuses, even if I really, really like them. Um, there's multiple things right now I would love to go do, but God said, stop doing that. Yeah. Okay, that's it. It's done. That's easy for me uh, to do those things. So, amen. amen. Next one. Last one, Johnny says, if you think you have a business idea, how do you make sure that it's from God? And if it is, how do you move forward with it? Uh, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. You've got to have peace in your heart, not peace in your head. Uh, It can't just look in your head like something that is uh, tempting and fun and all of that stuff. There's a ton of things that are fun and good, but not from God. You've got to have the peace of God. God will give you a peace in your heart, in your, now watch this, not just in your desires, in your spirit, man, is what I'm talking about. He'll give you a peace in your spirit, man, that that is from the Lord. And um, that's that's the way that he talks to us. Yeah. That's how he writes that stuff on our heart. Now, the only, the only disclaimer I would give there is because many people have not renewed their mind far enough. Even many people that have been in church and spirit-filled church, Pentecost church for years and years and years, they haven't dealt with bias enough they have a bias, and it can feel like it's God talking to them. That's why you need somebody that understands that, that can confirm those things in your heart. Starting a business is no small thing. I mean, it's not necessarily life-ending or world-ending if you get it wrong, but you definitely don't want to waste time for years on something that God has not ordained. Get confirmation. If you if you got big-ticket items, big purchases, uh, big uh, purchases of your time— you know, getting married, buying a house, buying a car, starting a business, moving to another city, changing churches, anything like that, major life items, you better get confirmation because yeah. you don't want to waste time. Now, I say percentage-wise because if you've got a multi-billionaire and he goes out and buys a $30,000 car or a $100,000 car, that doesn't mean anything. That's pocket change to him. So that's not a life, it doesn't alter his life. It's like buying a pair of shoes. Yeah, but, uh, but, yeah, but if a you know, $60,000 a year person buys a $60,000 car, that's a life-altering decision. You, know, you need to get confirmation on that. Uh, so those, those are things uh, to do, and that's how I would <laughs> major meeting milk. Meltdown. I'm not. I didn't follow that, but that's funny. Anyway, those are things that I would look at. Now, if it's the Lord, then then you ask Him where to start. If that business is is of God, then you ask Him where to start, and you get going. You utilize what you have in your hand. Again, you can seek counsel on that and uh, do those things. Many people they they either they're doing one of two things. They're either waiting too long or they're not waiting at all. They have no patience whatsoever. It's like they're so spontaneous, they keep making bad decisions everywhere, or they're waiting too long and never do anything. Uh, We don't want to be either one of those. We want to know when it's time to go, right? Put that in the comments. From God, we want to know when it's time to go. And uh, amen. Poet didn't know it. Amen. (laughs) And speaking of knowing when it's time to go. When it's time to go. (laughs) 
Have you enjoyed this question and answer? I hope you have, and uh, I was blessed by it. That was a good question. So, y'all get something out of it? Yes, sir. Amen. Did you get something out of it? I hope so. We love you so very much. Uh, Abigail's going to do the uh, offering today. If you'd like to sow into the kingdom for his name's sake and for the gospel's sake, you can go to giveww.org. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Here she is with that and to wrap up, and uh, I'll talk to you later. I'm just laughing. Skylar said, I think you guys have another hour in you. <laughs> Yeah, probably a couple, but when God says stop, we stop. We hit 450. 450 subscribers. <gasps> Congratulations, guys. Have a little party wherever you are. Uh, we just hit 450 subscribers. Congratulations to all of us. Yay. Well, guys, if God's putting it on your heart, just like Pastor was saying, to sow into this broadcast, to sow into getting this around the world, this is good soil, so we ask that you be obedient to whatever the Lord has put on your heart. We made it very easy for you to do so. You can go to giveww.org. We have Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, text to give all of those wonderful things. But we ask that you don't give under compulsion. Don't give just because we're making it available. Give because the Lord is telling you to. And we want to pray a blessing over everyone who is sowing today because God has promises in His Word that which you sow, you shall also reap. So we're going to pray over all of this right now. Lord, thank you so much for every person who's sown their time into this broadcast. Thank you, Lord, for blessing them, for multiplying their time, for blessing them, for staying here for this word. Thank you also, Lord, every person who's sowing their money into this broadcast. Thank you that you have promised a harvest. Thank you that their seed is pressed down shaken together and running over quickly will the harvest come back into their hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.